You can't teach art, so art school is a contradiction in terms. Not having gone to photography school, I never learned the rules. Hey, welcome to the Street Shots Photography Podcast. This is Antonio. And this is Ward. And this is episode 167 for the middle of September. September 2022. September 2022. Did you ever see that um, TV show, Space 1999? I did. I was a a loyal viewer. Me too. And it was September. I don't know if it was September. There was a date that the moon got blown out of. But it was Blood like out of orbit, yeah. Blood under orbit, September something, nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, it was one of my favorite shows. And when I watch, when I look at it now, I'm like, how did I really like that show? <laughs> it's so campy. Yeah, but it was what it was. It was good Saturday. It was great. No, it was, great. it was Saturday afternoon. It was great science fiction. Um, and I like Martin Landau and Barbara Bain. I'm like, oh, those two are in, in Mission Impossible. That's right. And I didn't know they were married. I like Catherine Shell. She was the shapeshifter. She that was a shapeshifter. Later. That's when I started getting a little nuts. And, and... I didn't care. I still liked her. But any, anything made by Jerry Anderson. It was right. Jerry Anderson. Film... <laughs> Sorry, this is not photography. This is we're talking. <laughs> this, this is Run Jerry the way Anderson back machine now. Jerry Anderson made the you know um, the Thunderbirds, uh, Space Nineteen Ninety Nine, Captain Scarlet, UFO, which was one of my favorite. Yeah. Uh, I loved all the miniatures and stuff like that. Anyway, somehow I went from the show opening to this somehow. I guess it was just how my brain works. <laughs> plastic spaceships floating on threads. Well, yeah, good. plastic spaceships. Right. So how, how have you been? I've been good. Still busy at work. Looking yeah. forward to a little bit of time off this weekend. Oh, so what's your time off? Good. Oh, I'm just going back to help my mom clean up her house and do some stuff. Uh, meet my brother, have a little visit. Oh, okay. So, Yeah. It'll be nice to get away from things. Getting away is get nice. Get out of the house. Yeah. Get out of the house. Yeah, I'm I'm for doing that. I haven't. Uh, someone asked me today if I was planning to do another trip, and I was like, Yeah, it's an actually a good idea. I don't want to go too far away. I mean, I like going to Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, take a few days to just, uh, you know, with everything having what has gone on. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could take a long trip, but uh, I think I can. I think I should plan another short trip, but uh, yeah, you're you're uh, you're. I don't know for spoiling anything and spoiling it, but you're planning to come out to my neck of the woods. I am exactly your neck of the woods. You're exactly neck in this room, in the neck that room, <laughs> this room. Which over, luckily, you're. This is not vi- video feed, although we're seeing each other. This room needs to be completely. This is my man cave, and okay. this is going to be your guest room when. Um, when you're here. So I'll just and, put the sleeping bag over the air conditioner. Is that <laughs> yeah, I'll have to. I'm still figuring out. That was sort of my week has been trying to, you know, my house is beginning to look like a bachelor cave um, a little bit. And uh, it's it, it it's it has to get messy before it gets clean again. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, spending time getting rid of some stuff. And that's uh, that brings up a whole bunch of stuff. And um yeah. I'm not getting rid of a lot of stuff. I'm just going through some things to make room for, like, uh, just make some practical room in in the apartment. Um, So uh, hopefully I will try to get it. It might still look a little bit like a bachelor cave when you get here. I know. (laughs) But uh, at least I'm trying to figure out where you're going to stay in there. Anyway, uh, I was thinking that when you do come out, if we're lucky to record some shows in person, that would be kind of cool. I think we could probably arrange that. It's yeah. your gear. I'm just, you know. Yeah. Well, it's my gear. So that's going to happen in October. October. Actually, around the time when we have to have a show out, because we do it do it in the middle yep. of the month and then the end of the month. And yep. you're going to be sort of smack dab in that. And I got a, I got a, probably got some jobs coming up after that. So, yeah, if we if we record some shows together and put them in the can as it were. Yeah. It'd be kind of fun. Yeah. It'd be great to see you. And we have some shows to go to. Yes. Go to that show at the Met. Yep. Again. Uh, and we'll, well, maybe we could do a longer talk about it when we go. Sure. That would be actually a good, maybe that would be a good show to do. 
because I know you wanted to, you said you wanted to cover the, I think the, the proper pronunciation is Besher now. Besher, yes. We, we From a native speaker. Yeah. <laughs> I messed that up last night. Wow. Yeah. What are we going to do? Um, Bert, Barrett, what's his name? And Hilda. Uh, I'm not going to, I don't even have their names in front of me, so I'm not going to, I'm not going to, the last name is Besher. So -E anyway. Yeah. yeah. But uh, I'm looking forward to that. So, um, and uh, this is September, right? So everybody, yeah. we, you know, for me, I still live in a school year. Uh, I don't know about you or anybody else in the show, but for some strange reason, every time I've been out of school for a zillion years and every time September starts, I think of like, I have to go back to school. Um, and that comes a little bit from like my last few jobs, like working uh, in the television station that I w was working right. on. We'd start the f season up roughly in September. Right. We'd have like a little bit of a hiatus in the summertime. So the no shows were being made. Mm -hmm. And so that sort of perpetuated that thing. But uh this idea that September is coming up and it's time to start learning again. And I've actually um, got to start to putting some more classes on uh, schedule again uh, at the place that I'm working at. So trying sure. to get back into, into doing that. Some of them are online. And my first class that I'm starting in this season is uh, introduction to mobile photography, which is essentially, you know, smartphone photography. Smartphone, yeah. Yeah, and it's a it's a virtual one. It's a virtual class, uh, which is you know it's good in some respect. I mean, it, it saves me some time not having to travel, and uh, mm -hmm. most of the stuff I do anyway is teaching people, like showing them stuff on the screen. But uh, the idea for the show, you you pointed out that we had some ideas for um, talking yeah. about something related to it. So uh, I thought I'd let you <laughs> start this time, well. and then I would sort of roll in, but. I'm going to warn everyone up front that my words are not working very well today. Words. So I might have to, I might you have can to pantomime substitute. It, yeah, that's right. First word. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I was thinking maybe we talk about um, our first experiences with photography. Oh, yes. Yes. Those. Uh, and I think we've talked about it a little bit. We'll just kind of touch a little bit on that. And then our experiences helping others discover ah, photography. Yes. Okay. For the I'm first for time yeah. or help them discover something they weren't aware of yeah. in the creative path. So I was thinking, you know, that, you know, I started when I was Sorry. 11, whatever. I got a, a plaque. What do you got there? I hear, uh, I hear just jingling. ice water. Oh, <laughs> yeah. just ice. Well, that's right. You're still sitting in a sweltering box there. Yes. I'm in my, yeah. In your, in your man cave sweat yep. box thing. Is that Scotty from Star Trek on that? Sorry. <laughs> Gets, you know, there's some things. Class. Wow. Okay. Sorry she about. Can't sorry take about the much more of this, folks. Captain. That's <laughs> good. It's apropos. Cool. Yeah. Um. So where were we? Oh, about yeah. um. I was 11 years old. Um. I first started with a plastic uh, Instamatic clone from Sears, 126 film. Why is it a clone? Well, it wasn't. It was. Oh, uh, it wasn't a Kodak. It wasn't a Kodak. It was a okay. Sears plastic plastic thing. So they could give it some other name like Insta Tragic or Insta <laughs> Searsomatic, something Sears like that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It's pretty lame. Anyway, it used magic cubes, which are basically fireworks. You're talking <laughs> you know, about the flash cubes, yeah. The flash cubes, yeah, as opposed to the normal flash cubes that were powered. These ones were you push a little button and a rod would you well, you push the shutter and a rod would go up into the cube if the one facing the subject, hopefully. And it would sort sort of like strike, almost like strike a match, and then that would set the uh, magnesium off in the bulb, and would almost invariably melt the. Front. <laughs> it was like <laughs> so much. What are you saying? That power I, coming off I, of that thing. I remember those things because I used to just pull the flash off and then like just pop them automatic, like without attaching to the camera, because it was a little trip wire yeah. underneath. And if you just push like a paper clip into it, you could trip it. Yeah, and of course, if you hold that in your hand, yes, yeah. So when you when you saw a finished flash cube, it looked like it you know had gone in the oven because it was yeah. melted on four sides. Yeah, and that ended up being actually the cube. The the flash cubes ended up being the most expensive part of the of the whole enterprise anyway, because you'd set them off in the way you just described, and then suddenly when you wanted to use them, you were right. you were playing were with them and they were dead, and you didn't have any money, <laughs> you know, to go to go get any more. So. But anyway, so there's 
there was that the you know six or eight months of that and then um, my dad gave me his old practica from 1960 and i started shooting with that and i did the you know said the the church picnic with that mm -hmm. and had some success and and then before long i was into pentax gear and a pentax k1000 and then pentax me super pentax mx pentax lx till that was my whole darkroom experience um up into my 20s i was using pentax gear and uh, and you had to get you how did you acquire all your darkroom stuff was it your father yeah it was a uh, christmas presents mostly the oh, enlarger okay. was a yeah. christmas present yeah. and then i got a job being caretaker at the cemetery which paid for chemicals and stuff like that by the time i got to junior high so uh so that paid for that and kept the kept the um the darkroom running and then uh i you know grew up left the farm which we talked about the farm before and then mm -hmm. uh, kept the darkroom going with my uh, uh my minimum wage job that i had i was happy because it was four days on and four days off and i had, uh, had darkroom time and um so i kept practicing by the late 80s i but you never really... went to school for it, did you? I took a couple of community college courses okay. back when I was in high school. <clears throat> but nothing a like, not like a, you didn't go two-year college kind of thing or nope. photography? Nope. I can still, I mean, there is a Master of Fine Arts um, at one of the technical colleges here. I could probably take that um, if I really want to have letters behind my name. But I never have really <laughs> had the time during my working career to do that. And maybe when I retire, I could consider something like that. But I, I started hanging around my friends at the camera store and meeting professionals and art photographers. And, and you know, I met a couple of star photographers in my, um, you know, in my travels, even around the city, people that mm -hmm. would come to do, you know, I got to meet uh, Douglas Kirkland, uh, Mary Ellen Mark, uh, Bill Epridge. Um, that was the uh, Winter Olympics in 1988. I met Bill Epridge. He was taking pictures of the ski jump, I think then um and Neil everybody everybody at everybody at the camera store is that where you met them no well i met bill epridge actually at the venue i was attending oh, okay yeah. um and neil leifer i met him on the street somewhere he was very overdressed for the weather <laughs> he's wearing one of those big um almost like a michelin man suits I'm like, you know, it's above zero buddy you know you know but i recognized him and i not into him and neil leifer and blah blah, blah so sent him on his way we didn't have very much of a conversation but i got to meet these people and so mm. they were always there was kind of the personal inspiration um for me to to keep up what i was doing and so was there, was there ever sorry but was there ever like a one-on-one -on -one, like someone just like you would go with them uh mm. or i mean hmm. well we have you know a, what i mean like did you have like a, a mentor but like not one mentor, but like someone that kind of relationship with anybody. No, not the back and forth. I mean, there was um, uh, John Veldholen at the camera store. He was the, the he worked at ICP for a little while in a, one of his previous lives, mm. at the International Center for what is it called? Photography um, Center of Photography. Yeah. So he worked there for a while, and so he was kind of plugged into what is going on in photography and where influences are and name dropping and all that kind of stuff to say, oh, that this picture reminds me of that photographer, this photographer. It really helped my kind of photography literacy. Mm -hmm. And that way he was a great, and he was also the, well, he was the bookstore um, curator. Mm. So my my deeper love of photograph or photography books comes from him because he and I would always do this back and forth. And when Mark and I were doing the rodeo book, well, who else would we get to have him help critique and cajole us in one direction or another um, for setting up or creating that book. So there, I've been able to tap into little fountains or whatever, but the closest ever I got to um, a, um, a mentor from those famous ones is I had like a five minute conversation with Mary Ellen Mark um, at the camera store. She held the door open for me when I came into the camera store and stuff. And I was like, this is Mary Ellen Mark. I know her. So we talked a little bit. And uh, it was great. Now I can't remember. Is that your ride? Is that, is that how that goes? Yeah, I'm trying not to say anything so that I can, I can <laughs> knock down the volume. <laughs> okay. I'll, I'll let you read. Oh, there they're gone. Um, so, yeah. So I got to meet Mary Ellen Mark, and, and that was 
that was a big deal. And when Douglas Kirkland um, came in, I think it was 2014, he had um, he was here sponsored by a camera manufacturer, and um, and so he sh you know gave a show about all of his all of his celebrity photography, and he talked about that 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 evening when he was with Marilyn Monroe when he was 23 years old and stuff. So he told that story. And then, um, and then I, we, I bought the cheapest book that I could, you know, the, the only book I could really afford of his and then got in line to have him sign it and stuff. And I thanked him for coming to town and he jumped up and he's a Canadian guy originally. Right. <laughs> so Douglas Kirkland is Canadian, but yeah, I thanked him for coming to Calgary and, and he jumped up out of, from the table and gave me a big hug. And whatever. <laughs> what do you want me to write on here? You know? So, and that was, that was pretty memorable. So you never had, you didn't have a formal education, but you also didn't have a mentor. Not a direct uh, mentor, no. Yeah. And I guess that's a lot of people's experience because it's, you know, finding someone who actually would be able to spend that amount of time with you on, a, yeah. on an ongoing basis that's not part of an um, institutional instruction. Right. It's and I not, think part it's of not that, easy. Part of that came from living in the country and not having access to anybody you know, to have a mentor directly and then having the passion to want to do it, you know, not creating very interesting work all those years, but really kept keeping an interest in it so that I could keep going. And then when there were little crumbs here and there, I tried to do my best to absorb them and make them part of what I was trying to do. Um, I mean, so did you have any, do, sorry, did you have any structured way of like keeping notes or did you just like remember the stuff yourself? I mean, how, no. did, you, how did you go about, um, Oh, a lot of rereading yeah. books, yeah. a lot of rereading. And, and cause I had the Ansel Adams books, the negative, the, what is it? The camera, the negative, negative and print. And print. I got yeah. the, the camera was the book that I got the la last because it's mostly talking about view cameras. I mean, he talked about other ones, but a lot of it was dedicated to view cameras, which I didn't have. So the negative, I'd really tried to memorize. That was the introduction to the zone system. And basically you can apply the zone system or not, but it's a, a, one way to help you understand how film works, particularly around, you know, well, it's, it is contrast, right? How to deal with contrast. Can you, can you explain the zone system pretty quickly? Uh, zone system is a way for you to, it's a, it's a visualization tool. And that's also a kind of quality control um, that you can apply to, the way you shoot and film development and printing. If we just go to the film, the film part, the exposure and film, you expose, you expose your film in a certain way and develop it in a certain way so that you want to know where the absolute black will appear, which is the clear part of the negative and mm -hmm. where the brightest white will appear, which is the densest part of the negative. And so doing and doing that, what you what you're able to do is to create an image by the time you get to the print that shows the detail the way you want to show it now well, the way ansel adams always discussed it was he liked what were called full toned which means he would like an image that for the most part went from pure black to pure white somewhere in the frame but that you could see all of the tones that were available in the in the print to help give it a, a certain life. Okay. And if you looked at any Ansel Adams pictures, posters, calendars, you see that, right? There's always a pure white somewhere and there's always a pure black in there. And then by adjusting the exposure and the development, you can, you know, overexpose and underdevelop or okay. underexpose yeah. and overdevelop. That those are term terms you, you wouldn't use. There's no over and under. There's just a plus and a minus the <laughs> way Ansel Adams codified it. <laughs> But you can make the negative more co contrasty or less contrasty. Gotcha. And okay. That that's how that works. And like I w said, when we got the digital, now the contrast is a slider. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, <laughs> and that slider is a whole Friday night right there. Yeah. <laughs> so it and, and actually, even reading zone system now or understanding the zone system, there is still an application to mm. uh, to digital photography because. Uh, digital images have a curve, well, sort of a curve. I guess maybe it's a straight line now, delta. But you can still tip it, and you look at graphs. When you look at graphs, curves, I guess they call it in the tools, right? Those are like the sensitometric graphs that 
we were learning when we were learning how to do things on film. Well, so how did you learn this stuff? I mean, you, you, again, I, you know, if we go back to me for a second, I went through the process of going to school for all this stuff and you didn't. Right. So how did so, you, you just sort of self-taught yourself? Like, well, I found in the, in, uh, in the library and then eventually in the camera store, they were the Ansel Adams books and he talked about. But no one sat you down and said, this is what this is. I mean, no. You're, you're, okay. No. Okay. All right. No, because so like, and, and everyone seemed to know what who Ansel Adams was by the early '80s, right? And um, so I got this book about you know the negative on how the zone system works is completely bewildering, but I did my best to try and learn it. And one summer, I did devote three weeks to doing controls to uh, you know shooting using the zone system as best I could with roll film. Now I was lucky because I had bulk; I had my I rolled my own, so I can make six exposure rolls and those sorts of things and i could expose i did a whole bunch of weird things i you know would develop three short rolls on one reel and whatever i just playing around so that i was saving a little bit of uh you know saving a little bit of developer and time to do my control strips and stuff and i did it and i i didn't have uh i didn't have a tool called the densitometer and i know you had talked about you had one at school um, I didn't have anything like that. So I just went to see, looked at the negatives to see which areas were clear. And, you know, I had marked down notes about where, what exposure I'd set and what's clear and what's dense and so on. So I got a pretty good understanding of, that was with Tri-X. I shot that with Tri-X. Then I promptly went to T-Max 400. And <laughs> how like, long, did it, like how long do you think it took you, if you were to ballpark you from... I mean, yeah, not when you were a kid, but like when you get to the point that you uh, felt you knew enough about photography that you didn't need to learn anymore, or you know, I mean, not learn anymore, but um, you know, for me, just to go for that, I say, you know, I had you know, high school, college, and then you know, when college is over, you feel like, okay, here's the, <laughs> yeah. here's here's the door, here's your piece of paper that says you learned these things. Now go out into the world, and so I can I can sort of point to that date, and it was like 1986 is when I graduated college, and that was like okay, go get a job, you know, or find some work in photography. And it doesn't mean I didn't learn, you know, afterwards, but I, I can put that date, you know, because I went to school. Do you have a feeling for how long it took you to get to a point where you were comfortable to like say, okay, I can now. Um, well, I learned is, or by the time I was 15, work. I was very comfortable with exposure. 15, so yeah. I would shoot slide film pretty well then. And then I made the mistake of buying tungsten film and then having put a filter over it and shoot in daylight. And I was like, oh, you know, and then there's <laughs> those sorts of things. I shot the rodeo once when I was 15 or 16 or something with tungsten film because I needed to get rid of it. And that was convenient. And th those weren't as successful because they were... You know, I had to use, I had to use long shutter speeds because there was only 160 to begin with, and I was shaving off a stop or so um, by putting the filter on the front. Um, I didn't really, I went so when I was 15, I did the test stuff, um, the test work, and then I was pretty comfortable after I did that. After I spent the three weeks doing that, knowing what I could get away with and how much I could overexpose mm. and with triax you tend to want to like i tended always to want to shoot triax at iso 320 instead of 400 and overexpose after and overdevelop i wanted to over well i wanted to overexpose because i didn't want i was always afraid that i was going to lose the shadows so i shot it with a little bit more i shot it with a slower speed which meant i was giving the film more light right but after i did the test strips the, or the test, you know, the, the zone system test, then I was more comfortable with shooting at 400, which was good because I really wanted those, you know, like right. two thirds of a stop or whatever, a third of a stop. So I got that back. So I felt comfortable with that. When I was 16, I shot my aunt and uncle's wedding. Um, and I was using a Kodak film called Veracrome, not Veracrome, Veracolor 3. And with what I was armed with, even though it's a color film, not a black and white film, I was shooting with flash and um, shooting with my Pentax with my ME super. And that turned out great. It looked like a professional shot that wet. It wet shot that oh. wedding. Yeah. So I had this confidence early on um, to do that. Um, 
And so I felt, I felt really good about uh, my abilities pretty much by the time I was 16. What I did lack though, was the business savvy. And I've just, and I'm still, yeah, well, that's a whole other thing. I don't have, that's a whole other thing. But in terms of, of a crunch time for shooting in what was kind of a, I treated it like a professional gig. Like, like I was, I had permission from the minister. I got could do this and do that. And I did as much of, uh, you know, I acted as much like a pro as I could. And it worked. Your... And the pictures really turned out good. And that was such a great film in its day. That do you still cool. have access to those pictures? Um, yeah, they're still up in my aunt and uncle's house, actually. Oh, all right. But all right. Um, I don't know. I have the negatives. I don't think I have any prints lying around anymore. But mm, I could, uh, next time I go visit them. Um, I could maybe be curious. Take... To, it's curious always to dig up the early stuff and, and, uh, you know, in, in a sense, like when you, first of all, you were ahead of me in, in those terms, 16, you're like, uh, are you in high school? I can't yeah. so bad with this. Yeah. 1980, sort of in 10th grade. Let me go into my stuff just to keep in terms of sure. time. Uh, but um, my, and again, I probably said this before on the show, so people hear this already, excuse me for saying, but starting off just doing more film than photography, but selling selling my uh, my movie camera <laughs> for a Pentax um, uh, Spotmatic. Not, it was, I think those are prior to the K1000. Prior to the K1000, yeah. I might have even bought it used as I can't, you know, those things great are, cameras. Those, that platform is great, whether it's screw mount or K mount. Yeah. It was, it was a big bulky camera, but it was first and it had the easy little light meter inside, you know, and my, my first instruction with that was the guy at the camera store. It was a place called all kit camera in, um, uh, in Manhattan on 53rd street and third Avenue. <clears throat> I think it's because my mom knew the guy who owned the place, or my dad did. I can't remember. Went there, and he goes, you know, turn this dial, pointing to the shutter dial, and turn this dial, talking to the lens, the aperture, yeah, aperture until yeah. that little needle gets into the middle. Right. That was that was my instruction on how to use the camera. So there was no real, what is shutter speed? What is aperture? Just do these things until this goes to the middle, and then you can take the picture. Which meant, you know, a lot of pictures didn't turn out the way you know too right. slow shutter speeds or something but there was no understanding of that right um and then uh I, my, it must have been that my dad knew the place because then my dad was the one who told me look you gotta go and my my dad didn't live with us anymore he mm -hmm. he lived up in provincetown and would come down to the city for whatever nefarious reasons he had. <laughs> I won't okay. get into my, my dad's personality. It wasn't like he was a businessman. My dad was a, a character. So he would come down to the city for whatever reason, and, and he would see me uh, and maybe see my mom. I don't remember. Uh, they were okay. They were they left um, uh, left uh, they separated, you know, okay. Amicably. Yeah, yeah. amicably. Uh, anyway, so he came in and says, now you have to go to my friend's studio. Um, there was a studio on, a uh, really nice one on, uh, 21st street, uh, right off of Broadway. So the, what was then called the photo district, okay. uh, right near the flat iron building. And, uh, the flat iron building is that picture that, that we all know of that, yeah. uh, Edwards, not Edwards, Steich and Stieglitz, Stieglitz, Alfred Stieglitz took, uh, Great building. It's anyway, forget it. Okay. This is my squirrel. <laughs> squirrel. Squirrel. Uh the the photo studio was owned by um two photographers, uh John Garetti and Stuart Roth. And they had a third guy in there, a younger guy named um damn it, I can't remember his name now. It was Alan something or other. And anyway, he said my 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 dad was friends with uh, John Garetti and Stuart Roth. They been photographers together and so he said you've got to go to see Stuart and john and they're going to show you how to use the camera and they're going to show you how to develop cool. and yeah and then i somehow got you know the guts up to call them and one of them told me um alan jay was the other photographer i just remembered him and you know the i wrote down you know this is what you have to get shoot get this film tri -X, 
bring uh, buy this paper, uh, Kodak Poly Contrast Rapid RC, uh, which I was like, I just wrote down. I had no idea what any of that meant. Yeah. And and then br bring it to the studio, shoot your film, and bring it to the studio. And uh, I, I would go after school, and then this was junior high school, so roughly for me eighth. I think it was eighth grade. Uh, and I went there and, um, you know, the, the guy, the guy, Stuart Roth ta taught me how to develop, uh, we went into the dark room and he was a very philosophical guy and, and we went in the dark room and he decided to show, uh, me developing in an open tank method, which, oh, it's went to the dark all the time. <laughs> it's like, which is like, it, it, so when you're developing film, you can do one of two methods. You can do open tank or a closed tank. Uh, and and uh, a closed tank is you roll the film up and you stick it in a developing tank. And then, you know, you have to do that in the dark. And then you, when, when the film's in the tank, then you can do all the developing in the light. Right. Right. Open tank means you got the developer in, in big tanks and you roll the film up and you never turn the lights on and you dunk the film and all these things. And so he's, so like my first lesson in, in, in film developing, I couldn't see it. I couldn't see anything. You know, it was just him talking and then he was being philosophical for, you know, a, a junior high school kid. I like, I don't know what the hell he's talking about. I don't care. <laughs> you know? um, and then I don't know if he was developing my film or his film. He might've been developing my film. Uh, but eventually got to learn how to do it in the tank. And then, uh, you know, using so is it steel reels or were they Patterson? It was steel or? reels, steel yeah. reels. You know, the plastic. I didn't learn how to use them till later. I, I, I loved never, them when I, I got I never them. liked the plastic reels. And the steel reels were difficult because if you put them on, sometimes you could really screw up the film. The way you had to yeah. roll up film, uh, for those people who don't know, you would actually, you'd have these steel reels that were sort of spiral metal reels. And you would put the film in at the beginning of the reel and you'd sort of at the uh, center of the reel. At the like center the, of the reel. And yeah. then you would sort of move your hands in a certain way. You'd have to you'd have to grab the film in one hand and you have to sort of slightly bend it. So as you're putting it on the reel, the, the film would sort of open up and fit into the spirals. And it's the oh, best I way used I could to put it. the reel on the counter and roll it and it would feed and it would just go in. Well, that's your way. My way was <laughs> <laughs> my way was holding it. You had to pinch the film in a certain way yeah. and then because you felt it, you really felt yeah, it. And if you did it yeah. wrong, you wouldn't know that until you got the film out of develop. Because sometimes you could do it wrong, and the film would crinkle. Stick at the, together at, too. At the, um, the sticking together was one thing. That was the worst thing that happened. The other thing is that the the sprocket sprockets would kind of get bent. So it took some practice to do that, uh, and you have to do all that in the dark or in a changing bag. Um, and then uh, you know you, you develop the film. So I got the film developed, and then I got my paper, and then like again. Him showing that was showing me how to print in the dark room was easier because you could see. But, um, I again for the longest time I didn't poly contrast, I had to get the poly contrast paper, and poly contrast paper means paper with multiple contrasts. And way back then, you would buy paper with different contrast grades. So, if you wanted a very contrasty paper, that would usually be like a number. That was a higher number, right? Like the yeah, higher number was higher contrast. Yeah, higher contrast. I wanted to say zero through five, but uh, yes, I think it was like zero through five. But if you bought what was called a poly contrast paper, it, paper was it had no contrast until you would use a, a contrast filter in the enlarger, and those filters would then impart contrast into the paper. So you would use one paper to get multiple styles of contrast, and those those those. Uh, Filters were kind of like a magenta color or something like that. And they had different grades. It went grades. from like a pale yellow to a deep magenta. Yeah. yeah. So each one of those were, you would stick into the enlarger and that would create the, so anyway, for the longest time, and I still have those prints, by the way, I still have my first prints. I'm pointing cool. to a box up there. Uh, they don't think that they're up there. They're over here. But it was like, I would take pictures of my cats, of course. Yeah. And, and, and he would always tell me they're not contrasty enough. And I, and he would never explain I never really understood what the phrase contrast meant, uh, mm. even though I was working with poly contrast paper. And so it took me a very long time to understand that. But he was sort of my mentor, or those three guys were, uh, more Stuart and Alan Roth. Alan Roth was the, was the third guy in the studio. I think he was renting the space as well. And he was a younger guy. Um, they were all advertising photographers. So okay. the studio was huge. You go in there and they had sets, like living room sets and stuff like, you know, because they're shooting mm -hmm. catalogs and stuff like that. So that would be like my place to go all the time. So I always had someone overlooking, you know, or I could I could ask questions of, but I tried to stay out of their way for the most part. 
Yeah. But I don't think it was a methodical year. I don't think I started shooting slides until college. So, um, and maybe it's a because I couldn't afford it, I, or I just didn't. Maybe I was shooting color negatives more often if I was shooting color. Okay. But in junior high school, I did shoot some stuff for, um, and I have it someplace. I just saw it uh, the other day, my my junior high school yearbook. And so there's pictures that I took that were in there. So it was okay. sort of my first public, my first publication. But uh, and then I I went and took the uh, test when I was going to college, uh, high schools. I only wanted to go to one high school. It was the High School of Art and Design. I had to take a test to get in there. And unfortunately, mm -hmm. I had to take, like, I had to learn how to draw. I had to draw things right. to get into that school. But what was fun was that when I was in my first photography class in, it would be the equivalent of uh, 10th grade, because I had high, junior high school and then high school. So it was three years junior high school, three years high school. Uh, so our first year in high school, we had to do like multiple different kind of classes, you know, in watercolors sure. and architecture and all that stuff. And, but my photography class, the vice principal of the class was teaching it, Mr. White. And, uh, and when I got in that class, I was like, I know all these things already. Yeah. <laughs> I was Mr. Smartass. Yeah. Uh, and so I ended up being like the class assistant. Um, right. so I already, actually, now I'm, it's funny that I'm, we're talking about this now cause I'm just remembering this now it's coming out. Uh, it was kind of being show offy cause, but I was, I honestly knew this stuff. Like the class was basic photography and I was like, yeah, I know this, I know this. And so he said, why don't you like just help out a little bit? And so mm -hmm. I think I became sort of an unofficial class assistant and, 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 you know, and I learned a lot of stuff from him as well because I had to take the class and, and learn. Right. Um, but yeah, that was, that was, you know, that was me going into a situation where I'm like, oh yeah, yeah, I can, I can, um, and I just realized it's my first kind of quote unquote teaching experience. Uh, cool. yeah. And then, um, the, the next two years we had, of course I had to take other classes cause it wasn't just photography, but I did graduate with a, a, a little medal. I, I had the best portfolio of the year of the, of the, um, of the, uh, of the class, whatever it's yeah. the graduating class, so I got a little medal, cool, you know, like a like a pin, <laughs> yeah, and um, yeah, and then and then from then on, I went to SVA uh, for college, and and I actually pulled out for this for this talk, I pulled out one of the um, textbooks that I got in one of the classes that we had in photography was um, in in college was this one that was really. I want to say effing pain in the butt. Um, I can't remember the name of it. And I remember the, I'm not going to name the, the teacher because uh, I would just keep that out of the, out of the name here. It was a real pain in the butt. And he told us right at the get go, he says, I'm going to teach you guys, or I'm going to try to teach you 150% of the stuff so that you retain 75%. Okay. And I pulled out this book because the class was was like everything about photography. It was all the science of it, the optics of it, the chemistry of it. I did find my notes relatively recently, and mm -hmm. I saw the notes I wrote with with a lot of uh, skull and crossbones on the chemicals, <laughs> <laughs> you know. And uh, and we had a chance to play with some of those chemistries as well. But that's where I had to do things like densitometry. Which anybody who's listening to this, who's, who's grown up with uh, digital cameras, you have no idea what I'm talking about, uh, and nor do you even need to understand it, because it was some, it was an aspect of uh, measuring the um, the density, as it were, of of, yeah. of a certain film stock in the way that you photographed it and the way you processed it, and you used this little, used this device that measured the density of the film, and then you created a graph, which actually, if you look in Photoshop, the closest thing to that is as Ward, you said before, was was like the curves tool. Yeah. Um, you get something like that. But I learned all so that. That's stuff. coming to the zone system from the other side, right? Yeah. Although I never learned the zone system. We never we never got into that or I never took a class that had that um, for some reason. But I learned, you know, everything about like view cameras and uh, the movements on a view camera. I'm looking at this book now and it's showing you like uh, parallax and how a, how a rangefinder works and how a twin lens reflex works. How, oh, that's just funny. How to load, I'm going to show this to you, but you're not going to see it as, as the um, podcast, but how to load 
four by five oh, um, film holders, film holders, plus a Polaroid holder as well. Uh, the um, all sorts of things. How to how to actually here's one. It's how to, how to actually move your hand when you're when you're processing uh, using um, developing film. See that the torus motion. Yeah, <laughs> it's an actual motion. It's a spiral. It's, it's like a motion. This. That you hold. Yes, I know. I, this is so strange. I so, read about it. Yeah, you know. Um, These are the details. These are the essential details, man. Yeah, <laughs> I you know, and of course, I get out of I get out of um, out of uh, SVA, and I go and I start. Actually, I was working at SVA. I was working at SVA. I was going to SVA when I ended up working at the Image Bank. So I was doing that was my my job while I was in school. So it was a sort of a crossover, uh, doing commercial photography, and I think that's what I did my portfolio on my my thesis, as it were, was was mm. commercial photography thesis. Which you know, if I look back, I'm not really satisfied with at all. But it was just what I sort of naturally did. Yeah, um, it's in but, front of you. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, you know, graduated and 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 you know, the, I won't go into the full story after that. But a lot of a lot of you know pieces of paper that say, you know, uh, you know, BFA in photography, best portfolio, like, you know, things that, that yeah. sort of brand me as this photographer and, and having had a, so, a formal education. So, yeah, I never was never encumbered with that. So if my picture sucked, it's sort of like, Hey, I don't know <laughs> what I'm doing. So sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. This guy who taught the, the, the photography class, the real pain in the ass class, uh, also did a critique class. Uh, and he was also pretty brutal in that class. That was really hard to sit through a critique class as a well, at, at a certain a, age. Absolutely, it's pretty terrifying. I I remember one thing that he said about one of my pictures. It's so funny that I remember this to this day. I mean, I guess that's how much of an impact it made. But I, I don't know if I shot a picture of the sky and it had little birds. You know, like there was birds far away. And he made they say he made fun of you know, and that's my my interpretation. Yeah, because uh, I'm only hearing it from my point of view but i heard it as making fun of he kept saying oh the little birds we had little birds in the sky little birds and like and you know it's like, <laughs> your ears are burning and you're flushing yeah you like, know but like, i remember that i remember how but i wasn't the only he wasn't just only going after my pictures but you know you don't, i don't care about anybody else's but i remember that but i remember it i i you know i hold that in my as part of my education as part of my experience um, and the other thing about like working with Mr. White, and I think those are very valuable in some way. I mean, yeah. whether or not he was the this guy was a good teacher or not, whether he was making fun of me, I don't remember. Uh, it's not in question. It turned out okay. I seemed to be yeah. a reasonable person, you know. So it didn't. Yeah. You know, I'm not in therapy because the guy was it didn't destroy you know, your ego completely. No, no, not at all. In fact, I think that was the whole point was that you <clears throat> go through something like that, uh, and. Um, and you survive, you know, but, yeah. uh, as we were sort of thinking about the subject, I was thinking about the subject today. I, I, I ended up, uh, going through, um, you know, just what am I going to think about in terms of like, you know, uh, photography and instructing and teaching or, or this kind of stuff and, and went through YouTube and started and started thinking about how people are educating themselves now in photography yeah. and how fewer people are going to schools on a, for anything, not just photography. Well, that's true. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. and someone on one of the YouTube videos, I won't, I won't mention the names uh, just to keep it um, simple, but someone was saying something like, uh, you know, how many people are, are trying to learn photography on YouTube and what they end up getting is like sort of a lot of recipes, but they don't learn to become a master chef. Right. And I thought that was a very interesting way to think about it because I'm about to start a class, a bunch of classes coming up, and they're they're fairly simple classes. Uh, uh, like I said, um, yeah, introduction smartphone. to mobile for smart, smartphone photography, an intro to digital photography. My street photography class is a little bit more, and that's in person actually. That's a little bit more. Um, yeah, I'll say it. It's less. Uh, uh, I feel it's less of an intro to photography. You know, it's more right. of like a style of photography learning. Mm -hmm. But um, these these other ones are, you know, just sort of glorified, you know, Zoom meetings and 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 whatnot. And I keep thinking that, you know, I try to 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 teach people in the class that this is not, 
this is you're not going to learn photography in the in the two hours that you're sitting with me or the three hours that you're sitting with me. You're not going to even touch scratch the surface on it. I I always sort of put it as like this. I hope is your beachhead. Your Mm-hmm. you're uh into and it's uh, i think in military terms sometimes <laughs> like yeah. this is the your 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 entrance into into this world you know yeah. but you're going to uh, evolve but some people think that they can get all that in you know in a 20 minute youtube video yeah. or 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 two hour zoom class i don't know yeah no that's and that's you know that's just uh a lot of people think that way they just, I want to take pictures better. Um, to, you know, I want to take a picture like the way that guy took a picture, you know, what equipment did he have? If he had that equipment, if I get that equipment, then I can take the same picture. Well, that's certainly not the case, right? It's all of this. And we don't mean, we're not, don't mean to discourage someone who's new, but you no, should know, you should know up front that, and it's funny, we're just going back to your saying you're kind of this know-it-all or whatever show off guy and i we'd mentioned in there we talked a little bit about this already in a previous show right our earliest experiences it's it's or our experiences at school my industrial arts teacher he was the same he used to say you know what do you want me to tell you it's beautiful rosin it's beautiful right and so <laughs> really and then when he critiqued i don't remember what the exact critique was but he kind of leaned in after and i wasn't feeling very good about what he said and he said you know if you have more it doesn't hurt so much and you know, if you have more good pictures, more, mm-hmm. more pictures, it won't hurt so much. And it's funny. It didn't, it didn't really occur to me until I was, you know, just about 30 of you're not treating each picture. Like it's your child that you're sending out into the world. Um, some pictures are more successful than others. And then if you do meet harsh criticism, harsh criticism from somebody about an individual image, you can internalize it a little bit and say, Oh, I see where you're coming from, mm-hmm. but it doesn't kill you. You know, mm-hmm. you've got other images and you've got this, you've got a big enough corpus of work that sure, this one isn't as successful for a certain kind of crowd and so on and so on. So well, I, I just a, wanted to get that out of the way. Like that's an important thing. That's an important. Yeah. Experience. That you could. And the ones that you really, and there was, and I used to keep a portfolio of my favorite, I don't know, 12 pictures of prints. And then if a, a new one came in, an old one would go out. Right. And it was a way of, of improving mm-hmm. the uh, improving the work and then you go you look back after a year or two at the ones that you jettisoned and you're like thank goodness these were terrible <laughs> you know what you thought was good and then you're seeing your vision move along and yeah. that's you that's not like what do you think of this one bob you know there's none of that it's just I, I, is your is your art or whatever you want to call it moving in the direction that you want it to and that's where you, you take in the happy accidents and all that kind of stuff mm-hmm. and you put that in and then you've got this kind of amalgam of your experience. In this. You're bringing up a good point I want to ask you about because um, so you and me, in a sense, you didn't have any mentors. I did, but, you know, I went to school. But you did. you were able to get feedback what you just said something about like okay so you look at your portfolio and you say okay this picture has to come out this new one goes in and then you look at that old picture you say what was i thinking yeah how do you get to that point where you can even look at your own work now i and look at your own work in that critical way that you know that this picture you took you know a year ago that was in your portfolio that you pulled out is not good anymore without um how do you get to that point without like having, you know, I had an instructor who might say, well, you know, look at this, this way. And, and this picture, okay. has little birds in it and it doesn't, it's not, you know, what's the subject in it. Here's a, here's your other picture. It's better. You know, I have sort of the guidance in, in, in your sense, you didn't have that. So how do you, how do you get well, to I'm not know? saying that those, well, well, but still I must you, have read about it in one of my time life library of photography. Well, your time life something. library didn't say Ward's picture this one is garbage and this new one is like, I might've read, maybe I read it in one of those uh, popular photo or um, uh, modern photography. I really well, like modern that? photography. Okay. Magazine. Well, how would you do that today? I mean, if you're new in photography and you're not learning through an institution or a steady, you know, have a mentor, or an instructor who follows you through the thing, how do you figure out on your own that you're improving? 
<laughs> good question. It is a good question. Well, but uh, you you really have to kind of do the same thing. I mean, I used had been using Instagram for that, right? And now that we're using Vero, like I'm going back through my catalog, and yeah. I'm pick I'm picking and choosing ones that are stronger than what was going through. Right, but how Instagram. do you know? What's I'm saying? You you you're saying this is stronger than that picture. How do you know this now? Like because what? they don't appeal to me as much as they like. I, I don't know. Um, <laughs> is this putting you on the spot here? Well, it's putting I, me on the spot, but I I just don't have words for it. I think it's, um, and you might not have an answer. Part, for it. part of it is I've been shooting very much at all these last three years, which is just kind of discouraging, but yeah. it will come back. I'm sure. Um, it's, uh, yeah. I just like to look at the pictures that I, the later pictures, I look at, sort of look at them over and over again. And then where new ones, I mean, I don't delete the old ones anymore. No, I, I know that. Them off. I'm just curious because it's such a, it's, it, you know, if you don't have someone to guide you, right. And saying, oh, look at, you know, you go through a portfolio review or something like that, which is, which is probably a good thing for a lot of people to do. If you're not going to go to school or any kind of thing, if you can find some place or somebody who can offer a portfolio review and even get multiple portfolio reviews for, you know, take the same portfolio and go to different people because you're always yeah. going to get different opinions, but it's great to hear what someone is saying, what, is, what someone else sees in your picture and points yeah, out. Yeah, mostly stuff that you wouldn't have not have noticed. Yeah, yeah. And then, and yeah. then that's how you can grow. And then you can look back and say, oh yeah, you know what, this image, yeah, it's not as strong. It's a great way to, you know, to to build up that sort of shell so that when someone does say, I don't like your work, you're not taking it so personally because yeah. everybody likes different things. Um, but yeah, you said before, like, you know, we, we tend to treat our images like our child. And so someone says, I don't like it. You're like, oh, yeah. <laughs> but, you know, if you don't have somebody who can guide you through it, it it's a, it's an interesting thing to try to figure out how do you, how do you grow, you know? And part of me thinks that, you know, Online, you know, this is again sort of in a, going against what I'm doing because I'm teaching online. But online things, unless it's an interactive class, things like YouTube or any kind of learning process, it's a one way. It's a one way learning. Yeah, right? I mean, I use. Uh, I mean, the people that I follow on Vero now, a lot of them, although I haven't find, found many street photographers yet, but I haven't really looked that hard. I'm. It's really a lot of landscape now. I love right, color right. Mm -hmm. landscape. So they'll come around. I'm just, those people are interested in my pictures. So I'm going to follow them back and try and learn as much as I can from them um, to kind of put in the vault or just kind of get a feeling for what these other people are doing. That nourishes me too. Um, but to go back to your, your question about how you can improve now, I think it's just, for a street photographer, it's a different deal because you're not sharpening so much as you're looking for you're looking for different subjects and you're encountering different subjects, and so things could go in a different direction. You know, you're looking for themes. How, how can I, you know, couples on the subway platform or people alone or some bit of architecture, something that shows the scale of a building versus the human standing in front of it those sorts mm. of things themes that you can build on um, where you can appreciate your work it becomes a little bit more macro i'm also avoiding the obvious that someone might be saying listening to this and saying well you know i just you know when i get 1500 thumbs up on instagram that means it's a good picture you know and i'm trying to avoid mentioning that well of course not mentioning it but because well, it still feels that, good, but you well, it's a feel good thing, to... but it's not a it's not a how do I look at my picture and understand like it's one thing for you know okay one image gets you know five hundred likes another picture gets three likes and so therefore the one that's three has three likes is not a good picture and therefore I should not I should take that one out of my portfolio and put the other one in if if you go by those statements and right. that's not really a good measurement of of anything really no and that's uh, where the education comes in right exactly but it's like yeah. you know then you're going by what someone else is saying you know if I only went by what someone else is saying about uh, my images I don't know where that would lead me rather than like okay well it certainly wouldn't lead me down the path of learning that much 
No. It would just be like reacting uh, to 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 what the world is telling me and having some self um, knowledge and feeling like okay, I understand this picture isn't as good anymore or like I can see the problems with it myself and um, yeah, even though it's got 500 likes, it's not a good picture. And actually, the one with three likes is probably a better picture, right. you know. But uh, being able to understand those is something that, because uh, I, I sometimes just get the feeling that people are dropped into, and I've, I probably said this before again, but people are just dropped into this photography world with a lot of incredibly expensive, complicated equipment. And they're trying to do something, photography is a fairly simple, I don't want to say fairly simple art form, but like the, to learn it, like to the technical the, part. Yeah, the technical part's really is not hard. It's not hard, you know? Yeah. And people get focused on a lot of that because there's a we're surrounded by gear and computers and filters and plugins and all this other crap, and so you can get kind of swamped by that. But I was I was watching one of these other videos on YouTube, and the guy was saying, you know, photography is pretty much simple. It's 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 capturing light. <laughs> it's it, yeah. you know, which is what photography means: a graph, a photograph, uh, yeah. break it down. It's the capture of light. Light writing, and, yeah. And it's the same since it's been from the beginning. Right, a lens, uh, 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 something to capture or hold the, you know, to show the image, and that's it. It's it's a box with a hole in it and a lens, and all the other stuff is just, you know, trappings to to do all the stuff. And so we everybody gets wrapped up in all the stuff, and the simplicity of just learning, the like, okay, well, what makes a better picture, you know? Um, and so having a mentor or having, you know, a a, a feedback uh, system. Uh, seems to be more um, useful than having a one-way conversation with uh, with a YouTuber. And with all respect to YouTube, people put a lot of work into those things, and I, I look at it all the time. But yeah. I, I really did think the nice story was like, you know, you're learning recipes, but you're not learning how to be a master chef. Right. Or just learning how to be a chef, not necessarily a master chef, you know. Yeah, you, you have to do. make that jump from... What is it? They it's in childhood development to move from concrete operations to con complex operations or something. There's oh, a, I don't know what that there's is. There's a missing link thing from uh -huh. knowing that two plus two equals four to being able to run where the ball is going to be. You know, you just know because you see the ball go there. You're not doing math anymore. You're just doing it. Right. Right. Um, yeah. So, um, so yeah. So the you know part of the education is to get to get the students to go past to go beyond the the clicks and the gear and the the likes and stuff um yeah that's a challenge but i think you know i've, I've been out and and you know some people have been out with the beers and cameras group from years ago before the uh before the pandemic of seeing people with their phones or with their new gear kind of discovering in our case street photography for the first time and teaching them how to see and that those moments where you're there in that kind of moment of creation or discovery um when you start thinking of it that way the actual practice of it mm -hmm. um, when you start to see different then that hopefully that'll ripple down into you know don't forget that experience of being on the street and seeing that thing and capturing it and right sure right, chimp right. chimp and it's like oh look the shadow it's it's in the perfect place <laughs> you know like it's in the perfect place and so you you get that and then you print and then you have something satisfaction you have that win and then you you go on from there i just i don't know i like i haven't done it as many times as you have but um, I'd love the... to see that. Well, no, to oh. see that discovery when people are yeah, shooting yeah, yeah, yeah. for the first time. Where you just point out, look over here. What do you see over here? Or yeah. wait a sec, turn around. You know, what's the light look like where we just were? Oh man, it's really cool. You know, and then yeah, I love go. that when I when I see like if I see a student's work uh, in, in just the street photography class because that's where we show work, and I say, you know, like a you listen to me a little bit, like I can see you were paying attention in in my presentation i didn't put yeah. you to sleep and b it would be like something like i wish i saw that <laughs> i wish yeah. i took that you know well, that's what ibarianx was saying on uh, that a uh, recent show right about the you know i wish i had taken that and, yeah you know yeah that's the, like an ultimate compliment right yeah the ultimate absolutely. compliment yeah yeah so wow okay 
So I'm ready for class. <laughs> yeah, Actually, me too. I haven't well, taken one. So, you know, it's too bad. I'm not around. You're not, you're not going to be teaching a class when I'm out there because I'll I audit might, your You know class. what? I have to look at, I have to look at my schedule. I might I'll be happy to audit your class. I would. And I, I would, I'd I forgot it. the dates that you were coming. So, um, if anything, I'll, I'll probably be teaching on a, on a weekend because I usually teach on Saturdays. So I'll have to look, I got to look at my calendar. And okay. see what but, well, I'm there. I'm there one Saturday. Or I'm yeah. there. Yeah, I'm there one. Well, Saturday. if it, it might, and it might, if it's not online, online is really kind of boring. <laughs> well, it's, it's not boring. It it's actually, and I need to work on my presentation because as we're talking today, I think I'm um, going to revamp a little, a few things if I got some time this week, at least for the mobile photography class. Um, but this is giving me some ideas about how to how to approach uh, uh, things a little bit uh, differently with uh, students. Um, but you know, and again, when you're doing a, a Zoom class, it's really often it is a one way. There's not a lot of interaction, yeah. and and that's okay because you know I'm teaching some like introduction to mobile photography. There's a lot of things about like iPhones and smartphone photography that people don't know about. They've got these no. very sophisticated cameras. Uh, yeah. And and there are little tricks and things that just they're not aware of. I mean, everybody knows to pick it up and take a picture. But it's like, oh, did you know you can do this? Or you know what happens when you pinch the zoom that you lose quality? Yeah. And you know, oh, I didn't know that. You know, and that's actually kind of fun um, to do that. And actually, by the time I have the new class, <laughs> I'll have the new iPhone because uh, I ordered the new iPhone. Oh yeah, you're saying that. Yeah, yeah. So actually, I have to think about that. I don't know if I should set that up. Um, because it's one of those things like, you know, takes can take a day to, to, to copy everything. Anyway, uh, but the new iPhone's got a lot of, you know, there's a lot of new photography things in that. Uh, not, not overly crazy new things, but mm -hmm. things like zoom lenses and stuff like that. But when you're just saying about the beer and cameras, like you're going out and shooting, it made me think that, you know, a, a, a smartphone is probably one of the best things to have for, you know, uh, in, in some practical way for instructing and showing. Because you can actually look over someone's shoulder very easily. Yeah. and see what they're looking at and and uh, and and the whole act of taking a picture with a smartphone is about as simple as you can get because you don't yep. need to to know things about how the camera and works and I go back and forth on my photo walks I go back and forth between my phone and my right I, my street know, cameras I'm carrying a big camera with me and also like taking yeah. taking out my phone and taking a picture yeah. because you know it's not it, it well we can get into that later but uh, anyway okay all right um yeah, any summary that you got for for us? Stick with the experience. I think when you're yeah. learning, it's all about the the sh well, for me, it's the shooting. It's what gets you gets you inspired into following off of the rest of the process, following on to the rest of the yeah. process. Yeah. You know, look, start looking for what interests you. If you can't think of something, make something up. Like you know, take pictures of parking meters, fine. Yeah. Do your parking meter thing. Exhaust it. Okay. Well, I got this really great picture of a parking meter. Okay, great. <laughs> Move on to. I mean, it sounds mundane and whatever, but you got to start somewhere. Yeah. Pick something. And, Just and the thing about photography is the creativity comes in the limitation, right? Oh, I can't do this. I got this. I've only got black and white film. I only got all the assignment is right, just the to one do lens. This. Yeah, yeah. Instead yeah. of you know whinging about it, just go in and okay, do it. You know, do it. We have to take a picture of a dog on the street. Okay. Well, let's go right. find the dog, get the right. picture. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with that. And, uh, I, I also think that the, um, uh, I mean, you said the limitations are, are a strength as well, but also, you know, try to not only, uh, like expand your views, you know, and if you can be interactive, um, don't, or if you, if you know somebody who's trying to learn photography, and they're saying, you know, do you know YouTube channels? Like, yeah, it's okay, do that. And I don't have anything against that, but don't let that be the only place that someone no. goes to to learn about photography. And and again, we're not we're not even covering all the other things about learning photography, about reading books, which we talk about a lot here. Yeah, doing deep dives on photographers, going to a museum. Well, there's history and and the history and, too. Uh, you know, which we which we you know an individual yeah movements within photography. Oh, that that's all later. Whatever, can pick that. It up. is right. You don't need you don't. You know, I mean, if you're in a school environment, you're going to learn that stuff simultaneously with other things because that's the way schools work. You, you know, you don't yeah. need to learn the history of photography before you pick up a camera and start taking pictures. But in a sense, we, we both recommend that that's something that you keep on the on the on the menu there because mm. 
it's all part of the whole process of, of right. learning. And, and, and again, for yeah. me, if I know other, other photographers have walked a certain path, if I'm going to be authentic and unique and me be me, I don't want to do what they were doing. <laughs> so exactly. photography to right. me, the history of it also creates those limitations for me, which makes it easier for my, if, if, if my criteria for creativity is narrower, I can work inside that. And, and that's where the cool stuff comes from, as opposed to wondering, Oh my God, what, where am I going to point the camera? I have no yeah, idea what exactly. I'm doing here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Cool. Great. All right. I think we've got this covered for now. So everybody enjoy your beginning of your school year. <laughs> if you haven't started yet. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We're getting, coming towards the middle of September. That's true. Yeah. Well, hopefully there's, you know, people who are listening to the show, some of you are going to photo school and hopefully that uh, if, if you are, let us know. I'm really curious. I haven't heard. And I I'm envious by the way, cause that's something I never did. Yeah. Um, I'm really curious about how school and, uh, photography, photography schools are working now, or I'm mean, not photography schools, but like if you're in an institution and you're learning and taking photography, I'm really curious about that. Uh, so if there's anybody who's listening, who knows somebody like just drop us a line and, and I'm really curious about what, what's being taught now. Cause obviously it's so much different than what, what I had to learn. I mean, you didn't have this whole book. You're probably not going to have densitometry anymore. There's no point to it. Um, part of the history. <laughs> it certainly is part of the history. So anyway, okay, great. Ward, we've eaten up enough time, so let's uh, All right. let's say goodbye. Where have you where have you are uh, where are you now these days on the interwebs, as some um, people say? Well, uh, I would say that most of my new pictures go on Instagram, but there are, I haven't been any new pictures lately. But my Instagram account is uh, Ward Rosin Fine Art. On Twitter and on Vero, I'm at wrosinphoto. Um, my website uh, is uh, rosin.ca, R-O-S-I-N.ca, and you can find me on Facebook as uh, Ward Rosin Photography. I think that's it. That's where you can find me. And our unofficial sponsor is is Ornus Photo. It's a little business I have selling um, lens adapters and Seven Artisans lenses. Lenses with great character. Great character. They're very cool. Yeah, very cool. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I'm no longer on Instagram and spending my time uh, focusing on Vero. So I'm at AM Rosario on Vero and Twitter. And uh, I haven't set up an account for our, our, our place yet um, for our podcast on Vero. So I'll, I'll get that done. And uh, what else? Uh, uh, Facebook is uh, Rosario Photo. And what was I going to say? I just lost it. <laughs> this is what happens. It doesn't matter. Uh, uh, but uh, I, I did drop the ball about getting a guest uh, for this episode. And so uh, I'm going to try to make sure that I get the little heads up to the person I want to have on the show for the next show. Cool. So we'll work on that. And uh, what else? Yeah, that's it. So. I hope everybody's getting a good September. It's the beginning of the school year. Sorry if it bums people out. Um, but uh, yeah, we will uh, we'll probably see you in a couple of weeks. Okay. All right. All right. Have a good night, sir. You too. Talk All to right. you later. Bye, everybody. Bye bye.